great weather we're having outside in Toledo, Ohio, where it's 60 degrees in January. Come on. Yeah. I don't hear anybody complaining. <laughs> All right. Well, if you have a smartphone or a tablet, we do have a live event. So you can go ahead and go to YouVersion and follow right along. Um, if you're new here and you've never done that before, uh, pull out your uh, smartphone or tablet. You can use our, our wireless Internet. The password and stuff's on the front of your bulletin. Uh, go to download, go to this Play Store or to your App Store. Type in YouVersion. Download that thing, and then uh, when you scroll through there, uh, on the little sidebar, there's one that says events. Type in Vision Ministries Toledo. will be right at the very top. And then you'll have something that looks a little like this. You'll have your notes, kind of little same little thing like that, and you can follow right along like that. And you can save it, and you can type in there and stuff. Or if you're old school, you can pull out your pen and paper and write on the back of your bulletin. All right, so this whole series on Renovate, we've been talking about. This is our third week, and if you... Uh, if you enjoy this message and you want to go back and listen to the first two messages, that is on SoundCloud. We record all of our messages and put those on SoundCloud. And so this whole talk about renovate, the verse that comes to mind for me in this whole series of messages, for me is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24. And this is what it says. It says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit. Say renewed. Renewed Renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on a new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So what what these few verses are saying, what these verses are saying is that we have to put off the old self, put off the old nature, put off that old stinking thinking, say stinking thinking. That old way of life, put that off, and put on the new self, put on Christ Jesus, put on the new nature which is in Him. And so that's the whole, the whole build around this topic or this series called Renovate. So perhaps you've been a part of a renovation or maybe you watch HGTV. And so go ahead and put the, the first slide up there. And so in a renovation, perhaps you have this kitchen or bathroom or living room and it's outdated, it's just nasty. And so what happens? What you have to do is you have to tear out the old. Are you getting this? You have to tear out the old to put in the new. Now it would look absolutely ridiculous if somebody was to take brand new countertops and put them on top of the old countertops, brand brand new cabinets and put them right over top of the old. That just would, that would look stupid, right? So for a renovation process to happen, the old has to go for the new to come. Are you getting this? And so this is a pretty nice picture. It's kind of generous. Uh, The old actually doesn't look too bad. I think it looks kind of nice. But then the new obviously looks amazing. And so this might be a picture of what your life might look like. And this is being generous. But I would say go ahead and put the next slide on. This is probably what most of our life looked like before Christ. Come on, it was a hot mess just like that. And then God does a work, He does a newness in us, and then, and then He creates something that's beautiful. Anybody, see the, see the second picture, that's me, right there. I, I didn't look nice, and then He made me look nicer. No, man, I was a trash, heap of mess. And He took that and created something, He renovated my heart and my life, and made something that looked good. 
You know, when I was getting this, uh, this whole week, I was, I was thinking about this message and the Lord was kind of bringing to my attention in my heart about this, this uh, renovating and, and I, I kind of had these ideas about talking about uh, our mindsets and our thinking and our emotions and that God would renovate our minds through, you know, we, we renew our mind through reading the Bible and we take every thought captive and we walk in obedience and, you know, and God refreshes our spirit and our soul through prayer and, you know, emotionally we connect with God, we connect with people and, and I had this whole thing and then, and then yesterday the Lord just like dropped this whole other message, uh, just like, you know, like when, I don't know about you, like, do you ever have an idea where you're going to do something and then it like just totally changes course? I mean, that's like, that's kind of what happened with me yesterday. And so, so to be honest, I'm, I'm not going to talk about all of that, but I need to go back to a core value, to the very basics of the DNA of, of what needs to happen here. Because because this is the thing, friends, all of our efforts are futile without being a passionate lover of God. All of our efforts, all of our endeavors, all of our things that we do are futile. They can be indifferent. If we don't have a passion, burning desire for God. It even says in the book of John, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, before we renovate, we need to first be committed to Christ. We need to first be committed to Christ. So it's almost like in my, in my own heart in this kind of renovation process, it's almost like what's happened is, is if you've ever seen any of those shows on HGTV, what they always say this, they always say, you know what, what happens is, is in the renovation process, in the renovation process, they have what's called unforeseen cost. Say unforeseen cost. See, and I don't know this, I've never had enough money to do any, any immaculate re, uh, renovation. But what happens is, is when you start tearing out some of the old, you start finding problems that you didn't see. And so they call that unforeseen cost, because they start tearing down some of the old, and they realize, oh man, you've got a water leak, oh man, you have water damage, or, 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 or you've, got this, you've got this crack in your foundation, and then it gets very pricey. But isn't it like God to start dealing with some of the surface stuff to get down to the core of what's really, really needed? And so we've been talking about renovate and building and and off with the old and in with the new. But the thing is, is none of that really matters. If you renovate a house and 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 the foundation is crap, then you just built on a crap foundation. And, and and, And I'm not a builder. I'm not, I don't even think I know anything about construction, but I know this. I know if you have a crack in a foundation, I know it can make your whole house all mess up. You can have cracks up your wall. I mean, it just tears up everything. But see, what has to happen with us today is we need to get the very core of the foundation of what God wants to do in and through our lives because Jesus has to be the main goal. He says He's the foundation that the builders build upon. He's the foundation. He's the chief cornerstone. We don't know about that. That's an old school terminology about, about, about construction. He's the chief cornerstone. There was, it was, it was part, it was the, some of the weight of the, of the building that rested on the, the cornerstone. What do they call it nowadays? They would say, if you break down a wall, they would say, that's not a load bearing wall. You can tear that down. The cornerstone is load bearing. You get it? We, we can only build on Christ. He has to be the main thing. He has to be the main goal. Having a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, it has to be, it has to be the main goal. Friends, all of our actions 
doing everything apart from this one thing, whether it be spiritual, religious, all this, is either going to be religion or selfish ambition. If our endeavors aren't centered on Christ, our passionate love for Him, then it's either religion or it's selfish. Because then we're doing it to be seen, or we're doing it to please man, or we're doing it to get an attaboy, or we're doing it so that people can, can notice us. And we're doing it all out of, what, selfish ambition. Or you're just doing it out of religion. Well, I see everybody else standing up, so I'm standing up. Everybody else is clapping their hands, I'm clapping their hands. And what are you doing? You don't have the passion, you're just doing it out of religion. Too many people come to Christ and, they, and, and their whole life is just religious duties. They've never, ever tapped into this this reason why we do this the reason why we're here the main goal having this intimate relationship with god sons and daughters why does our heavenly father heal why does he save why does he deliver why does he set free why does he want us to be with him forever because friends he has wholeheartedly committed himself to us Friends, from one outstretched hand-pierced arm to the other, he's, he's so given himself all and fully to us. And friends, and, and we all come to church for many different reasons. Maybe, it, maybe we come to church because it's where we find an extra meal or perhaps our finances are tight or, or maybe it's we want to feel needed and so it's a place where we get accepted or perhaps it's you know, we found this good-looking person at church, and so we're going there and we're trying to holler at them or whatever the case might be. Or perhaps you're a young person in here today and you've come out of obligation because your mama dragged you to church. Or perhaps you've come here today seeking some relief from, for some of, of life's problems. And friends, I want to go ahead and say, you know, many came to Jesus in the New Testament for many different reasons as well. It talks about how Jesus, how he he fed the 5,000. And people heard about that. And guess what? He had to do it again. He had to feed 4,000 more. They were following him around to get fed. There were some that they they, they sought out Jesus because they needed a miracle. Some, they, they sought out the Lord because they needed healing in their body. Or perhaps their child needed healing. Some sought after the Lord to receive relief from torment because they're being tormented by the enemy. And that's good and that's cool. Because Jesus even said, he prophesied, he spoke out into the synagogue and he said, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 through 2. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. He said, I've come here for this. I've come here for that. And that's good. Friends, our prayer and our mission here at Vision is that through whatever circumstance or whatever situation has brought you to this point right here today, right now, that you would encounter the true and the living God. And friends, out of gratitude and humble thanksgiving, that you would give back to Him the same love and the same affection that He's given to us. That's our heart. That's why we exist. We exist so that people will connect with God and be forever changed. And that we would give back to Him just the same gratitude. That's all it is. Out of gratitude, out of affection. What do we do when servicemen who who have risked their lives or given their lives 
military come over, what do they do? They clap their hands, they shake their hand, they say, thank you for your service. And we honor them for their sacrifice. Friends, when we come to the Lord, when we're worshiping, when we're lifting our hands, when we're jumping up and down, when we're laying prostrate, when we're closing our, 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 our eyes and, and, and we're seeking the Lord's face, all it is is just affection back to Him out of gratitude saying, God, I just, I'm so grateful for what you've done for me. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, it says, But God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Wasn't even looking. I wasn't even searching for God. He was searching for me. That's a powerful statement. Powerful. He showed His heart. He showed His love, His affection towards us, towards you, towards me. Friends, my heart is that vision ministries will be filled with radical lovers of Jesus. People who wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly pursue and walk in the principles of the kingdom of God. Seeing their lives change and seeing those that are around them turn upside down. Friends, it's possible. In the book of Acts chapter 17 and verse 6, it says this. It says, And when they could not find them, they dragged out Jason and some of the other brothers before the city authority, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. They've come here too. They turned the world. They said they were turning the world upside down. Friends, when God gets a hold of you and you serve Him wholeheartedly, it will turn your life upside down. Those around you, it'll turn their lives upside down. You'll be called a freak and a fanatic. And then they'll see you serving God for ten years and they'll be like, something was different, obviously. Come on. God wants to turn our city upside down still. He wants to turn our city upside down. This is why we need to renovate. So that we can see things differently. We can respond and act differently. Think differently. Then the world and this culture and, and the way that, that our families or their neighborhood thinks and, 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 and acts and responds. Friends, do you know that there is a caliber of living, thinking, and being that surpasses our present state? Do you know that? I'm going to say this one more time. Do you know there is a caliber of living and thinking and being that surpasses our present state? Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, it says in the New King James Version, it says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Somebody say above. above. Somebody say above again. Above. above all that we can ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. Unto him that is able to do. Come on, there's a caliber of living that, that we haven't yet to even tap into. Are you getting this, friends? Another translation says that we could, it says, think or imagine. Not ask and think. Think or imagine whatever he can do above what we imagine. I can imagine quite a bit. I mean, I can imagine quite a bit. I mean, I can imagine our city being radically turned upside down for, for, for God. I, I can imagine our city being a beacon of hope and light. They look at the armpit of America, Toledo, Ohio. What is that? I don't know, it's just a little blip, but God is there. And lives are being turned around and transformed, and I don't know why I'm being drawn to this, this, this little rinky-dink. See, I can, have, I can imagine quite a bit. I can imagine bars closing down and crack houses 
closing down and, 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 and people... When the, when the Welsh revival happened back in the 1800s, the people, they were in the factories and on the streets. They fell on their knees and they cried out saying, God, forgive us of our sin. I can imagine quite a bit. He says he'll do above. Somebody say above. above. Come on, if we, if we grabbed a hold of the principles of the kingdom, man, we would be living our life at a capacity that's beyond our, our, our present state. And friends, ladies and gentlemen, the problem is not poverty. It's not depression. It's not addiction. It's not immorality or idolatry. Our problem is that we don't have a covenant relationship with God. We don't have a covenant relationship with Him. Many of us have an agreement. We think we have this agreement with God. Well, I've got my own special little relationship with God. No, no you don't. The problem is, is that we don't have a covenant relationship with God. Friends, when I made my covenant relationship with Pastor Joy, I vowed to not give myself to any other lover. I am hers and hers alone. Period. That's covenant I looked her in the eyes, I said, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, sickness and in hell, till death do us part. And when I said it, I meant it. Friends, we got to be men and women who mean what we say again. The problem is, is we don't have covenant. Friends, in order for us to renovate, we need to be men and women of our word who hold to our bond and our vow and say, I'm not giving myself to any other lover, only Jesus, the lover of my soul. He's the only lover that I want. He's the only lover that I need. He's the only only lover that will satisfy my every need. Friends, it's, it, this is not unbiblical and it is actually very simplistic. If you have the Ten Commandments posted in your bathroom or on your wall, in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3, the very first commandment is, You shall have no other God before me. No, look at your neighbor and say, No other lover. I love what it says in the message. It says, no other gods, only me. Only me. Friends, there's only one room for loving in my life, and that's with my wife. No other lover. Are you getting this? Friends, and and guess what? The institute of marriage is ordained by God because it is a model of how our relationship should be with Him. It even says in in the book of Revelation, He called us, the church, His bride and said he was the bridegroom look at your neighbor say no other lover (laughs) you see we want a fixer upper but we're missing the most integral ingredient it's kind of like if you want to make homemade chicken noodle soup but you forget the chicken it's just noodle soup what's the secret ingredient in the secret ingredient soup (laughs) Friends, there are, understand this, there are people that are filled and satisfied with the religion of just noodle soup. I don't know about you, I need my chicken, son. <laughs> Give me my meats. I love that commercial, Arby's, we have the meats. Man, every time I hear that, I want, I want, to, I want to go get me some of that roast beef. Too many people are satisfied with the religion of just noodle soup when, come on, Jesus wants to be the main ingredient of our lives. 
Jesus Christ has to be the main thing. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus has to be the main thing. He absolutely has to be the main thing. And so when I was getting this, when I was getting this message together, I kind of had this little idea. I started drawing in my notes. And I thought, you know, I'm going to draw out this little doodle for you guys as well. So that you guys kind of get a kind of visual understanding here. So here, we'll just do this here. So we're going to do a real quick, the quick, quick version here. So here, we'll draw our little person here. And there we go. <laughs> Give him some little hair there. You know, make him happy. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah. See, I got more time this time. I mean, there we go. His, yeah, there we go. He got his big feet. He's your little person. Uh, who will even give him? Uh, wearing his little Jesus shirt. How you like that? Yeah, there we go. There's your little guy right there. Uh, yeah. There you go. Oh, happy and stuff. We'll even give him a little goatee there. there was that. Nike swoosh. Swoosh. Okay. So, so let's just say here, this is you or this is me. And so this is our life. And so what we do is we like, we do this. Here's, here's God. So we want God to revolve around us. See that? So this is, this is, this is the culture of American Christianity. This is the culture of, of, of any Anything, any, any culture that is very self-motivated and self-driven. So it's like, so here's our life. We're the center of the universe, and we want God to revolve around us. Our prayers are revolving around us. Our prayers are about us. And so we're still the center. But we've added God to our life. We've added Him. They call it compartmentalization. We've added Him to our life. But see, friends, this is, this, is, this is wrong. We screwed up here. The problem is, is this is how many of us have been taught. This, is, this was the model. This has always been the model. This is the model that it will always be. This is the model. And if it's not like this in our lives, then it's cool. We can make it the model. Yeah, as we do. Let's see here. Yeah. This is the way God wants it to be. So, we'll, so the model should be a little bit different. We're just kind of... All that there. And so you got God who's the center. You got Christ who's the center. And then what happens is our lives revolve around Him. See that? So then we're not the center of the universe. We're not the center of everything. And we try to add God to what we're already doing or we're trying to. But no. He's the center. Just like the song that we sing, Jesus be the center of it all. And He's the center. And then we revolve around what He wants. We, we, we bend our will and our life to what He desires. This is Christianity. This is not. This isn't Christianity. This looks like Christianity. This is Christianity. When He said, he said this, He said, he said, take my yoke upon me, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You'll find rest for our souls. And what was he talking about? What was the yoke he was talking about? The cross. He said, because if you cannot carry your cross and follow me, you can't follow me. This is, this is the life. Not this. 
So this is the thing, friends, when you, and I say this with all compassion. Can I say a few things? Okay, I'm going to say a few things with all compassion. Friends, when you have a marriage where two, say two, two people are wholeheartedly committed to Christ. Friends, when you have a marriage, they have two people. You can't have a failed marriage. You can have a failed marriage here because it's still about you. You added Christ to your marriage. But when you have two people that are wholeheartedly committed to Christ, you can't have a failed marriage. He is your marriage. Friends, you can't have an addiction, drugs, pornography, gambling, drinking, when you're wholeheartedly, say wholeheartedly, that's the element, wholeheartedly committed to Christ. He's your addiction. <laughs> Come on, there's, there's an old saying, he, there's no high like the most high. Pastor Earl, this morning, he had a Holy Ghost hangover. He's the addiction. Come on, I've done drugs and there ain't nothing that make, there ain't nobody do me like Jesus. And it's so much cheaper. I mean, it actually was very pricey, obviously. I mean, it, caught, it was through his blood. Cost him everything. Cost me nothing. Friends, when you're wholeheartedly committed to Christ, you can't cheat on your taxes or, or swindle people for money because he's your supply. He's your supply. Friends, you cannot sit on the sidelines when everybody else is doing work or, or serving when you're wholeheartedly committed to Christ because He set the greatest example. He was the greatest servant. Friends, you can't have an ought or offense against your brother or your sister in Christ or for anyone else for that matter when you're wholeheartedly committed to Christ. He's the rock of offense. And He deals with the offended heart. Come on. Friends, you can't gossip and slander and bash people when you're wholeheartedly committed to Christ. Scripture says Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy. But he said, I've come to give life and more abundantly. Scripture says out of the, out of the mouth comes both blessings and curses. My friends, this should not be. This is in James, also in the book of Proverbs. It says out of the, the power of the tongue has what life and death. Friends, not that we don't mess up, not that we don't make mistakes, but friends, the majority should be life-giving when He's the center. Not saying we don't have failures and shortcomings, but friends, when you're wholeheartedly committed to Christ, the, sh- the failures are a lot smaller. I'm not saying that we don't make mistakes, but friends, when there's no other lover. Come on. Any, I mean, this, this, this type of Christianity is going to fail over and over and over again. This right here. You're the center. And, and, and you're, you're always asking God to bend His will. Pay my bills. Rescue me again. Not that we're not supposed to pray for God to provide. We absolutely are. It's part of our, part of our prayer in the Our Father. Right? For, you know, give us this day our daily bread. What's that? Asking for provision. But friends, when He's your provider, that shouldn't be all of our prayers. Look at your neighbor and say, no other lover. One more scripture and we're going to end here. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared. <laughs> Love this. That offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly pleasures. Look at your neighbor and say no. 
teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly pleasures and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. Come on, no other lover, the blessed hope is Jesus. Teaches us to say no to all the other lovers. Teaches us to say no to all the other temptation. He's the center. He's the one that we, we, we yield to. Not him yielding to us. No other lover. Come on, there's no other thing. I love it. It says, for the blessed hope appearing of the glory of our God and great Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. Say all wickedness. But I just can't get over this one little wickedness. But he came to redeem you from all of it. All wickedness. And to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Friends, he's came to purify us. That we would be his only. The core value is, again, friends, he has to be the main thing. He has to be the center. He has to be the foundation. Our, our heart has to passionately Burn for him and him alone. And then, what does it say? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. How many of y'all are ready for all that? Stand on your feet with me today.